Yes. How are we doing today? Everybody okay? Everybody good? Is there anybody in the room, and I'm serious, is there anybody in the room that, that just wants or needs a hug and didn't get one yet? Anybody? Because we can send someone to get you. We, we are good at that. All right. No? Okay. Just in case. Kim was ready. She was like ready to pounce. <coughs> Kim's uh, <laughs> spiritual gift is hugging. So that's a real thing, though. That is. There is, there is something necessary about human touch. I think it's, it's, so, it's so valuable. It's so important. So uh, I, am a, I am a hugger and a toucher, so I'm kind of a touchy-feely guy. So if that ever puts you off, just, you know, just let me know because I'm going to be like, you know, toqueteándote. So, <laughs> um, hey, so we are in a series called You Are Here, and Larry started us off with this kind of idea of, uh, of really uh, stopping to, to kind of measure or figure out kind of where you're at uh, on, on some, uh, some uh, values and things, uh, that w- and we've been going over them. And, and we started with this dashboard uh, to kind of check where, uh, where you are in, um, in, in parts of our lives, in your health uh, and in your work um, and in relationships, uh, in love, in, and also uh, in play. And play is probably one of the ones that we don't talk a lot about at church. Uh, and I don't know if you were, uh, what your, you grew up in in your church or not, but uh, play isn't often something that we talk about at churches. Uh, depending on the denomination, uh, play can, may or may not be from Satan. So, um, but, <clears throat> but play is one of my, finally, uh, my superhero power can come out. Right, positivity. I've taken the strength finder three times, and every time, number one, positivity. So there you go. Um, so I'm really, really excited. You know what? You know, it doesn't take much to uh, to get me to talk about play because. So I've been a, I've been working in youth ministries for 18 years. Uh, it's what I've dedicated my life uh, to, working with uh, students and adolescents. And a huge part of working with adolescents is play, right? And so taking kids to go paintball, that's called discipleship, right? Uh, and it really is. And, um, like, we, uh, like, you know, it does. I, I own, like, 18 Nerf guns. And my wife made me rent a storage unit just so that I could store them. Uh, but, you know, that is, it's a big part of, uh, of what we do, but it's also really, um, it's, it, it is an integral part of, of the ministry. Uh, I remember once when the whole Nerf thing started for us, uh, I remember talking to my wife, it was just after Christmas, and I was like, babe, I, I, I want to I buy a Nerf gun. And um, she's like, you're 26. I'm like, yeah, but a friend of mine got one, and I think it, you know, I think it would be a cool thing to do. And she's like, a friend of yours got one. What friend of yours got a Nerf gun? I'm like, Eduardo? And she's like, Eduardo Martinez. He's in sixth grade. <laughs> so that became like a running joke, right? Eduardo Martinez, your friend Eduardo. Oh, yeah, yeah, you go play with your friend Eduardo. I'm like, you know what? He is my friend. And, uh, well, but he really was, and it was a really big part of our, of our ministry, right? We, we had a Nerf ministry. It was kind of like a Bible study, but with Nerf guns. And, uh, and, uh, but I'll tell you this. Uh, he got married uh, two years ago, uh, now in the summer, and uh, I was his best man. And so a big part of that was a lot. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And a lot of that was uh, just the amount of time we spent together. And, but play was a really big uh, part of that. And play is, is such an important part of life, not just uh, for children. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the benefits of play, and I'm going to make a case for play. But 
I want to read a little bit of what the authors of the book we've been using to, uh, to shape our series, um, the Designing Your Life author, said this. Play is an activity that brings you joy when you do it. It certainly includes organized activity or competition and produ or productive behaviors, but when those things are done just for the joy of it, they are play. Uh, when an activity is done to win, to advance, to achieve, uh, even if it's fun to do so, it's not play. The question here is, what brings you joy purely in doing it? And so that's what I want to talk about today. We're gonna we're gonna Marie Kondo this thing. What sparks joy in you, right? Yeah. So some of you guys have been on Netflix. All right. Uh, Marga has like Marie Kondoed. Uh, she's Wakanded our our whole bedroom, and so like all of our clothes and stuff. We just but we got rid of a ton of stuff, and we still have a ton of stuff left. So but all of it sparks joy. So there you know there's that. All right. But um. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes um, chapter 3. And Ecclesiastes is, is, is hard to read um, because this is the man who's at the end of his life who's kind of, uh, you know, he, he's been through some stuff. He's seen some things he can't have seen. So not everything in, in Ecclesiastes is meant to be, like, taken just at uh, face value. But there's one poem in the, in the middle of it, and he says this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. And I think that that is something that we maybe sometimes often are missing, right? We get into the rhythm of life, uh, and, uh, and we just kind of focus on the one time, and we avoid maybe some of the other aspects of life. And there is an appropriateness to play and to things that bring you joy and to laugh. Life was meant to be lived, to laugh, to smile, to dance. And I can't imagine, uh, thank you, yeah, thank you. Uh, I, 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 and, and now, I want a disclaimer, right? The Bible does say that Jesus was a man of sorrows. Isaiah talks about the Messiah being a man of sorrow. And I know that the weight of what Jesus had to do uh, was heavy on him. I can imagine that. And his understanding of the deeper, uh, the bigger picture of the world and, and seeing the brokenness of, of, of his creation, right, that weighed on him. But I also can't see that the, the man who says, let the children come unto me and do not hold them back, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, would then be like, all right, I got to touch all these kids and pray over them and bless them and be grumpy and all right you know you know Matthew get them in a line and uh you know Levi you're good with numbers everybody gets 30 seconds on the sundial ready just get them in line right all right kid I touched you get out of here all right no right I can't imagine Jesus being that way especially not when he says those words and the Bible actually says that when his disciples were telling the people like don't bring these children Jesus was indignant he was angered by this he was like no no, let the children come unto me, right? There is this, there's this joyfulness of children that is just contagious, right? And so I, I can't imagine. So I want to make a case this morning uh, for play in our lives 
uh, as adults and as uh, as New Yorkers. And this is going to be important, right? Because our context of where we live really defines a lot of who we are and what we do and how our rhythm of life. And uh, I think in New York City particularly, uh, there's oftentimes uh, we don't have space for that play. And so uh, let's talk about it. All right, I'm going to make a case for, for play. I want to give you three benefits, right? Number one is the health benefit, right? These are things that help, uh, that play helps, right? It le- relieves stress. Um, and, uh, and it does that because play releases endorphins in your brain. And endorphins are the feel-good uh, hormones, right? You want those, right? You, you, you want to feel good, right? It, it removes pain. Uh, it improves brain function, all right, yeah, but you didn't know that. It stimulates your mind and boosts creativity, right? Play, right? Sometimes you just got to get in there. It improves relationships and connection to other people. Uh, it helps keep you feeling young and energetic. All right, here's, here's, here's a question for you guys. Okay, we're going we're gonna to take a little pop quiz. How many of you, if you know my actual age, don't say it. Right? Just, just play along, okay? How many of you think that I'm in my late 20s? Really? Oh, man, I just, just, you, just because you knew it was a trap. Just because you knew it was a trap, right? How many of you think I'm in my early 30s? All right, all right. How many of you think that my next birthday is going to be 40? All right, I have, my next birthday is 39, right? And that's coming up in four months, so it's close, right? But most of the time when I'm talking with people, they're like, oh, you're probably, what, like 28, 29? And I'm being generous, right? Because maybe, if, you know, this is, this is whatever. All right. But most of the time, people are like, yeah, you're between, like, 28 and 32. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm 38. Like, you're 38? And you know what it is? Because I play a lot, right? All right, that's why. Playing keeps you feeling young and energetic, right? It gets the blood flowing. Kelly and I went swimming uh, a few days uh, last week, right? And it just felt so awesome. I just felt invigorated, right? It's just You need time to play. It's fun. All right, so there's health benefits. Number two. There's uh, life and social benefits, right? Play helps develop and improve social skills, right? You, you know, you got to learn how to play nice and how to lose. You know, some people don't know how to lose, but we won't talk about Marga. I mean, you know, give other things like that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to get it for that one. All right, uh, play teaches us to cooperate with others. Uh, play can heal emotional wounds. Um, play can uh, bonds us in understanding and accepting difficulty and responsibilities. Uh, pl- uh, play helps us laugh at ourselves, not take ourselves so seriously. Uh, play illuminates solutions sometimes. Uh, and there's a uh, there's this um, really big movement right in corporations to include play in uh, in the office and in the work because it inspires this creativity and it break, breaks down barriers right it decreases tension uh, it builds confidence it involves others in enjoyment it's inclusive right and that's a big part of why we play so much um, in uh, in uh, in the youth ministries right it just it just breaks down walls it just builds a, a space of, of safety and, and a place of, of togetherness right. Play is so important. Look at this. The United Nations High Commission for Huma- Human Rights uh, says that play is so important uh, to optimal ch- uh, childhood development that it has 
been recognized as a right of every child, right? Globally, a right of every child is to play because it's so crucial to human development, right? This is, this is, this is the United Nations. This is a big deal, right? Uh, psychiatrist Stuart Brown, the founder of the National Institute of Play, that's where I really need to work, um, in uh, Carmel Valley, California, said that what, pl- what all play has in common is that it offers a sense of engagement and pleasure and takes the player out of a sense of time and space to experience uh, uh, and gives the experience of doing more, um, sorry, and the experience of doing is more important than the outcome. Man, we, we're, a, we're a society that feels the need to produce, that things have to be productive for some, everything has to produce some kind of result. And at the core of play is this idea of doing something for the joy of doing it. Not because it produces a result, right? So now, right, so don't go home and be like, I got to play because it's going to produce more joy in my life and I need that, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you missed it, right? That's it, you know, no. But the, the, when was the last time you did something that just made you smile and you did it just because it makes you smile? Like this is a really important part of our life. And play breaks up some of that, um, some of that, uh, the routine and the running and the, and the, and the, the, the working of life, right? Anybody here like listening to, um, I almost said AirPods. Anybody like l- using their AirPods? No, um, podcasts. Anybody here like podcasts? Marga loves podcasts, and she's kind of gotten me into them. And I, I really, I listen to two podcasts. One is uh, NPR Politics, because I am almost 40. Um, and uh, and then the other one is um, uh, The Daily with Mike, Michael Barbaro. It's really, really good. You should listen to it, right? But it's also mostly about politics. And I've realized that, like, I really need to, like, get out of my head because all I think about is politics and that just leads me to like these arguments in my head. I have these imaginary fights with my family members from Texas and, uh, and I'm just walking around this angry and then my wife gets in the way and I just Bleh! and then you know it's, it just makes for a really bad morning but one of the podcasts that we've been listening to uh, was um, it's called The Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard and I don't know I'm not going to necessarily recommend it because he can be a little crude at times. Uh, but uh, I really like it. Oh, I heard one. Uh, let me back that up. I heard one episode, and I really liked it. So I might, I'm, I'm going to listen to it more often. But uh, one of the things, that he, had this, uh, he had this psychologist on the show called Jonathan Haidt, and, and they were talking about um, many different things, right? Basically, the dangers of the polarization of our, of our society right now. Uh, but one of the things that he was talking about is that we um, we will often uh, he he talked about cleaning up your thinking, um, and oftentimes what we do is we uh, I'm looking for the word catastrophize right we just like everything is gonna be horrible and 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 you know this is all gonna end and you know the republic's gonna take us to hell in a handbasket and Democrats are all gonna make us so you know whatever I don't know anyways uh, the point was that like. We, we fixate on things, and then, and then uh, that leads to a uh, thought process that, that can take us to really dark places. And he talked about the, the two-way street where um, this often becomes a part of people who are, have depression, uh, that they will, uh, they will constantly be um, catastrophizing. And that what that does is it just continues, it perpetuates that, that darkness that they feel. 
And uh, I, I definitely related to that, especially in this last year in dealing with the pain of, of losing my dad and, and that struggle and how much I often just perpetuated this, uh, my thinking would, would just perpetuate this darkness in me. And he says, uh, he talked about this uh, one uh, psychologist, Aaron Beck, who uh, through co this cognitive therapy, what they would do is if they could interrupt this thinking and interrupt this this space of catastrophizing, right? And then, with some something positive or something to alleviate that that tension, they could then talk about other things, and and it would just slowly bring a little bit of light into the subject, into the moment, right? And and play does that. It allows us to break up some of the rhythm of life and some of the darkness and some of the struggle of what we feel to bring joy into, into a moment. And in that moment, if we can interrupt some of that cycle and some of that rhythm, it can begin to break up. So it can begin to break up those patterns and it can begin to, to bring life and bring light back to our souls. And that's an incredibly important, I think, especially for us in um, in New York, right, where um, our life is just this rhythm, this constant movement, this running, 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 produce, 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 right? And sometimes we don't feel it until you step out of New York. You almost have to, my, my wife and I get to go to Puerto Rico a lot, and we're really grateful for that. But it's almost like the first three days, we just are s exhausted, and we don't realize that how fast we have to run in New York um, until you kind of get out of that space and realize the world doesn't all run at that same speed. It's like, oh, I can breathe for a minute, right? But we need that. We need those breaks. If not, what what will we turn into? As a kid, um, I uh, I love musicals, and my parents used to always play all these like kid musicals and one of them was called uh, Ansylvania. If you have kids you should definitely uh, pick it up. It's probably like a hundred years old by this point. But uh, the, the it was all about these this uh, family of ants, like this colony of ants, right? And the son of like the king of the ants, which is actually biologically incorrect. But anyways, he uh, his name was Anthony, of course. And uh, he, and there's this like song, and it's like work, 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 work. And then he starts singing like I don't wanna be an ant, just like ever. I'm actually gonna sing this. Anyways, I'm not gonna sing it anymore. You embarrassed me, right? But the song goes like I don't wanna be an ant, just like every other ant, working day and work uh, nights until the day I die, right? And it's just like this like ah, this intensity. But that's what we do, right? We just it's just this like constant run, 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 run. There are spiritual benefits to play as well. Uh, this German theologian, uh, Jürgen uh, Moltmann, he wrote this book called The Theology of Play, and I tried to get it, but it's like $100 because it's out of print. Uh, but he's like the leading authority on like the theology of play. Like, that sounds awesome. I want to study that, right? And I found this article uh, on it, and it's uh, by Seth Vopat, uh, who was a youth pastor for about 15 years. And he says this, uh, Maltman makes the case uh, for play as an essential Christian faith practice. And not only as an essential Christian faith practice, play is an essential characteristic of God. In his book, uh, Maltman uses play to critique the way capitalism forms us existentially, right? We... Uh, let me finish the quote, and then I'll jump in. Right? He argues that capitalism reduces our humanity to one's 
sense of purpose, our goals to achieve. One becomes known by what he or she does, what he or she achieves in life. And we almost have to, like, stop for a minute to really pause to think about uh, how much kind of the world that we're in affects how we think and how we do and, and who we are. And so the, the idea here is like, hey, like, let's wake up to how uh, our society, and again, I'm not saying capitalism is wrong or evil, right? But I'm just saying let's be aware of what that, how that translates to and how that affects our life and how we live and who we are and what we value. And let's take a pause. And, and let's also be careful, right? I'm not making a case that you should go quit your job and just play all day, right? Let's, right? There has to be a balance, right? We talk, the dashboard, right? Play is only one of the parts, right? If all you do is play, uh, you're going to turn into a high school kid whose, like, life revolves around video games but has, like, no other social ability uh, to connect with anybody. And, and, and I've worked with kids like that, right? But so it's not just about, like, abandoning, like, our responsibilities to just go and play, but how do we bring balance and how do we bring, how do we inject um, space into that and understand that that is not only a, uh, a healthy thing for us emotionally and physically, but it's also healthy for us spiritually, that God revels in and delights in play as well. And if you look at nature, if you look at animals, and if you look at our creation, there's play all around us. Uh, play is such a hu- huge part of animal, like their baby development, right? So it's such a huge part. Like flowers bloom when no one's around to look at them. Why? Because God delights in his creation. And see how, the, how our, all of our world just fits together in this beautiful song, right? It's joyful. There's a lightness to it. There's a beauty in it. There's a playfulness in it. And, and, and that's something that we need to also understand. <coughs> uh, Bene Brown put it, uh, argues this way. Right? <coughs> Play is necessary if we are to live wholehearted lives. And she cites uh, psychiatrist Dr. Stuart Brown, as she, uh, who said, uh, Brown explains that play shapes our brains, helps us foster empathy, helps us to navigate complex uh, social groups, and is at the core of our creativity and innovation. We risk much in our continued sacrifices to the twin gods of productivity and success. That's heavy, man. Yeah. So how do we do this, right? Why, why if we understand it, and, and, and I think for a lot of us, it's like, yeah, I get it. Okay, we, we got to play. Like, okay, play's important, you know. All right, I'm going to go out and buy, like, a deck of cards, and, like, I don't know, we're going to, you know, find someone to play with, maybe my neighbor, or, you know. But um, there's all kinds of different types of play. Play doesn't just have to be, like, a, a playing a game, right? What sparks joy in you? Like, what do you do that just makes you smile? Kim, it's hugging random people, you know? But, like, what what brings you joy? What sparks joy in you? Maybe it's cooking food. Maybe it's inviting friends over and playing games, which is a lot of fun. And if I had an apartment that had any space, I would want to do that more often, right? Maybe it's dancing. Maybe it's going for a walk or a hike, which I don't recommend now because it's sub-zero and the polar vortex will get you, right? 
But soon it'll be nice out, and we could do that again, right? Maybe it's uh, going for a bike ride. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it might be. Maybe it's reading a book, reading poetry. Maybe it's going to a poetry reading. Maybe it's singing a song or listening to music. Um, maybe it's uh, just staring into nothing and, and not having to do anything for half an hour. Whatever it is, what brings you joy? And, and how are we interjecting some of that in our lives? The fear is, I think the struggle here is, I think we, most of us will say, yeah, 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 this is good, this is good, this is good. And then we turn around and we go home and we just get back to our normal life. And uh, Pete Scazzaro, who is uh, the pastor of New Life Church, or was, the founding pastor of New Life Church in Queens, and he's also the author of the Emotionally Healthy uh, Spirituality and Leadership and Church and, and that series. Um, he, uh, one of the core uh, foundations of this emotionally healthy lifestyle is uh, the idea of Sabbath and this notion of rest, right? And he breaks Sabbath down into, into four elements, right? It's number one, it's stopping, it's interrupting our busyness. It's stopping from the regular routine. Uh, number two, it's rest. Actual rest, like sleeping. If sleeping brings me joy, you know, and that's something that, you know, with a newborn baby, you don't get to do often, right? So, but, but sleeping, you know, it's, it's, it's rest. Uh, it's delight and it's contemplation. And delight is, kind of fits into this idea of play. What brings you Joy. What sparks joy? What brings you, what do you delight in? Right? And uh, the struggle is, and, and, and in, in his book, he talks about this uh, conversation that he has. With the pastors always agree with me, and people always agree with me about Sabbath and rest and, and, and delight and all this stuff. But then they go out and they just live their life. They don't, they don't implement it. And the person that he was talking to um, said this, it's because they're terrified. If they stop, they'll die. Right, which it seems like really intense, like hardcore, right? It's like a shark. Did you know that sharks actually, if they stop swimming, they will die. They just they suffocate because they need the oxygen and the blood to kind of flow through their through their gills. That's uh that's that's free. You can have that one to your students, right? Uh, so a bi- biology there. So Michael always talks about me being a shark because if I if I literally stop for too long, I fall asleep. If I'm not moving or talking or engaging with something, I'm literally like. I probably had narcolepsy when I was in college because I actually, like, I've, I've crashed the cars multiple times. I've, like, fallen asleep mopping. I fell, I've fallen asleep, you know, like, I fell asleep one time drumming, uh, playing the drums in front of people, <laughs> right? Like, I was at church. I was playing the drums, and I, like, <laughs> you know, it was fortunately it was a hymn, so no one was paying attention, but well, that was terrible. That was a my bad. Sorry. All right. Um, but if they stop their terrified, right? There's this under uh, the surface of uh, of 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 this movement that we have to do, right? Is this fear of what we'll discover if we stop and reflect, and stop and contemplate, and stop and play, and 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 so, Scazzaro goes kind of digs into that of what are the what are the what is the fear, right? There's and part of that is shame. And part of that is uh, also how we've been raised um, and, and, and what we understand play to be like. And some people, for some people, play was never a part of their life because it just wasn't allowed because of situations or circumstances in their life, right? And that, all of that 
translates to who we are as adults. Uh, and so stopping and contemplating and stopping and resting can be very, very difficult for people because it brings up some of this stuff. Um, and uh, and it brings kind of this unbalance, right? But the danger of that, right, is that we always have to produce. We always have to be uh, engaged. We always have to be doing something. And uh, and and I think the the challenge for us is is to stop. Is to take a moment to find delight and joy in play on a daily basis, on a weekly basis on a monthly basis. And that's not to say that, that parts of your job don't bring you joy and you shouldn't just enjoy them, right? Because, you know, I think our jobs should be joyful and I think our jobs should be enjoyable. Like if you're doing a job that you never ever get to see the sun or like don't like ever have a like a spark of joy, I don't know, maybe we have to have a deeper conversation, right? But, um, but I think the ability to interject and stop and play and say, I'm going to do something that just makes me smile just to enjoy this moment and do it on a daily basis. Um, because the, the danger of not doing that is, uh, is, is very scary, right? We, we, um, David Eklund writes this, right? Today's child has become the unwilling, unintended victim of overwhelming stress. The stress born of rapid, bewildering social change and constantly rising expectations. And us as adults, if we are experiencing that as a child, how does that then uh, play out in us as adults? Because it's the same kind of pattern that we've we've we experienced this with this hurried child. We've we've become the hurry. We've created this hurried life. We gotta just go 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 go, and we don't stop. We don't play. We don't delight. And that can be very harmful for us. It can be very um, dangerous. So what makes you smile? What fills you up? What do you stop and say, this, this brings me joy? And it doesn't have to be this grand thing that you only can do once a year. Like, it could be simple things. What simple things. You know, uh, one of the things that I loved about Paris, um, my wife and I spent a, a, a week, a, a week and a half, something like that, in Paris. One of the things that I loved about it is the way they drink their coffee. We drink coffee to fuel our, like, our movement. We got to run, run, run. And, and lately I've been realizing, like, I want more than just one cup because it's becoming dangerous. Like, it's like, I want all the coffee. And I feel my body saying, coffee, right? But, um, uh, but in Paris, they drink coffee to enjoy coffee. And their, their chairs, all the cafes, which is really cool, all their, ca- their cafes, the chairs, they have all these chairs on the outside, and they all just face out, right? We, all our chairs face in. Like, we're just, like, facing each other. Like, I don't want to talk to other people. I don't want to look at other people. I just want to sit and have a coffee with you, Right? But there, it's like, it's because it's a moment to just sit and watch the world and watch people around you and enjoy kind of the moment. And, uh, and so that's what I'm talking about. Like, what makes you smile? Larry and I, uh, we're having, a, uh, uh, Larry and I share pancakes sometimes. And uh, we, go to a, we go to a Parkview Cafe and we order pancakes and an omelet and then we split it and we share it, right? It's very nice. It's like our, like our bro date, you know? <laughs> 
Um, and I remember one time he sat down and, and, and it was in the processing with my dad and all this stuff. And he, he asked me, like, what fills you? What do you do that fills you? Because you're running and you're running and you're running and nothing. And you're, you're pouring out. And you need things that can fill you back up. And, uh, and so I realized, oh, I need, to, I need to start doing some things that fill me because I'm, I was just so angry all the time, and I'm still processing that anger. Um, and you can ask my wife about that. <laughs> but um, one of the things that fills me is exercise. I just really, really like running and jumping and playing. I'm not an athlete. I just love to run, jump, and play, right? And so that fills me. And so taking time to stop to, to do something uh, that fills you. Because if we don't, that mentality of doing, 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 that's, uh, you know, part of the reason why God instilled the Sabbath, it wasn't for him, bless you, it wasn't for him, it was for us. Because we needed a time to reflect and to rest and to rebuild because we're not robots. And that's the difference between a human and a robot. A robot, you just goes. And you know what else is the difference between? Freedom and slavery. When God instilled the Sabbath as a law for the Israelites in Exodus, they were coming off of 400 years of slavery, of living as an enslaved people in Israel. And that does something to your mind and to your conscience and to your society and to your soul. And they they had that for generations and generations, and they needed something to break that up. And, and Sabbath was part of breaking up that slavery mentality to understand that we are now free, and there is a life of freedom. And so this, uh, this mind frame that we have of doing, 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 I got to do, I got to produce, I got to produce to the God of productivity and results, right, of our society all it's doing is enslaving us back into this work, 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 work. Rihanna was not right. We don't have to just work, 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 work. There should be like work, 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 six, play, right? It's got to be in there. Um, <clears throat> we need that break in our consciousness because if not, what we turn into is the machine. Thank you, Dalali. <laughs> so, so what makes you smile? What fills you up? We're gonna take a break. To um, I got some worksheets for you guys. We're gonna we're gonna take a moment to to reflect. It's a reflect sheet. It's a play sheet. Yeah, <laughs> a play sheet. Uh, and and uh, what we've been doing in the series is we've been taking time. Right, we want to to give you a space to uh, interrupt kind of the flow and and uh, and and sit down and think about this for a sec. For some of you, like Wendy says. For some of you, this is really enjoyable. Like, you like worksheets and, like, ooh, like, you get your pen out and you start filling it out. For others, it's like, ah, this is, this is not play, right? So if this would be more helpful for you to turn it into a paper airplane, feel free to do that. But uh, just spend some time. We're going we're gonna to put on a, a song, and uh, we're going to give you just a few minutes to... Um, to reflect, to think through some of these questions. What makes you smile?
think one of the things that we, our hope is that, that these uh, reflection sheets won't be just homework or something that you just do, but that it'll really actually be something helpful uh, that maybe to stop and think about and process. And so I really want to encourage you, what is the thing that you need to really to add to your life today or tomorrow or this week? And here's the deal. Uh, we often say, that, oh, I, I, I haven't found time to do something. The reality is if you don't make time, it won't happen because you're never going to find time, right? Because the games on your phone or the Netflix show that you're watching just continues after the one episode's over, right? And so uh, we need to make time. Um, and I, I brought my son up with me to prove a point. And, uh, <laughs> and um, what brings you smile? But I want to ch- shift a little bit real quick to... What makes God smile? And uh, what brings God joy? What does God delight in? And um, <laughs> Scripture says this in Zephaniah three seventeen: The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but rejoice over you with singing. Psalm 37 says, the Lord directs his step of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. Psalm 18, 19, he brought me out of this spacious place. He rescued me because he delights in me. And Psalm uh, 147, verse 11 says, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. You know what God delights in? He delights in you. He delights in me. He delights in us. Why? Because we're his children. You know, I look at Sebastian, and uh, he doesn't have to do anything for me to date joy in him. Sometimes I'll just I'll just stare at him when he's sleeping, because thank God he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he'll be crawling around, and I'm just like mesmerized, and I'll be in the meetings, and I'll just be thinking about him all day. And, uh, and I just want to know what he's doing or what he's thinking. And he'll laugh. And it just brings so much joy to my life. And he'll poop. Even when he poops sometimes. Like, you know, I, I'm like, Sebastian, what did you do? I'm like, oh, what did you do, buddy? And he'll laugh, right? You know, and, and uh, he just, he, be, he brings me joy. He delights my soul, right? Because look at this pudding. Come on, right? But that's what God, how God feels about us you don't actually hey guys over here (laughs) you don't actually have to do anything for God to love you and not only that but he likes you he likes you he delights in us he delights in you so this week find something that brings you joy and remember that you bring God joy